you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. If you're following along from home, you can pull out that mobile app, you can click on that button that says money, and right there in front of you is going to be the notes for today's sermon. I want to set up this third and final week of this really short sermon series where we're just being really honest with each other about money. And I'm going to set this up by telling you a true story about what the refrigerator looked like in my house when I was growing up. You see, I grew up under really serious poverty. Like, I lived in the ghetto. Actually, I lived in trailer parks. But in trailer parks, you have the front of the trailer park close to the road where the rich people in the trailer park live. And then you have the back side of the trailer park where the people in the front of the trailer park don't go because it's rough back there. And I lived in the back of the trailer parks. We spent most of my childhood way below the poverty line. And most of my childhood, we grew up on government assistance for food. We grew up on food stamps. And in my house, the food stamps came around once a month. Usually, we'd buy groceries. And in no exaggeration, one day, an entire gallon of milk was gone. It was the only day of the month that we would have milk in our house, and I was looking forward to and longing for milk so much, just me and my little sister, that as soon as my mother bought that gallon of milk, literally before the sun went down, I would usually have drank the entire gallon of milk, and I knew that it was going to be the rest of the month before we had another gallon of milk. And to this day, I remember blowing through an entire gallon of milk almost every month on the first of the month in one day. For those of you who live overseas, that's almost four liters of milk gone in a couple of hours. And my mother would pull her hair out saying, why do you have to drink the entire gallon in one afternoon? And the truth is, I've been looking forward to that gallon of milk. I've been longing for that gallon of milk. And now that it's in the house, I'm blowing through that gallon of milk as fast as I can. And then it dawned on me, it took me a while to figure this one out. Actually, it took me a few years to figure this one out. I really didn't have a milk problem when I was growing up. We didn't really even have a money problem when I was growing up. For me, milk represented something more, something bigger, something much more significant. For me, milk represented living like everybody else that I saw on TV. So when that gallon of milk showed up in the refrigerator, I blew through it as fast as I could because I just wanted to live like all the people that I saw on TV. It wasn't a milk problem. It was actually just a contentment problem. And today in our third and our final sermon on this the series where we're just getting honest with each other about money. We're going to talk about your checkbook. We're going to talk about your debit card. We're going to talk about how people spend money. And we're just going to answer some really honest, really raw questions about money. And really, here's what I want you to understand about people who blow through money like I went through milk, who as soon as the check shows up, they spend it all in one afternoon, and now they're living 
basically hand to mouth for the rest of the week or for the rest of the month waiting for the next check to show up. If that's you and you're just blowing through the money as soon as it comes into your bank account, I want you to hear something. In fact, I'll put it right up here on the screens for you. For a lot of people, money represents something much bigger. For a lot of us, and this was me, it wasn't really a spending problem. Sometimes spending problems are really something deeper. They're soul level problems. Sometimes they're not spending problems. They're spiritual problems. And we're trying to satisfy a spiritual problem with a physical or a monetary purchase. And it never, ever works out that way. We're going to look at a passage of scripture from the Bible, but in order to really understand what God is saying in Isaiah 55, I need to set this up a little bit for you. Because if you were to read in the Gospel of John, when you get to John chapter 7, there is a really powerful moment in Jesus's ministry that I think is lost on us because we didn't grow up in Jesus's culture. You see, in Jesus' day, the people of God were supposed to come together three times a year for a festival. And everybody stopped work. Everybody traveled to the city of Jerusalem. Everybody took part in these festivals. The festival of booths, or sometimes called the festival or the feast of tabernacles, of shelters, was perhaps one of the most important of these three festivals. And this week-long celebration where every man in Israel was supposed to stop work and travel to Jerusalem and party for a week, it usually ended with an entire night of dancing. And then early the next morning, the final day, the final Sabbath of the Festival of Booths, or your Bible may call it the Feast of Tabernacles, these temporary shelters that reminded Israel about the temporary shelters that they lived in for 40 years in the desert when God delivered them from Egypt, from slavery. Early the next morning, when the sun was coming up at dawn, they would do a celebration a ceremony using water. And the high priest would gather the people of Israel around after an entire night of singing and dancing, and he would pour out a drink offering of water in front of the people of Israel. And he would say, your ancestors walked through the desert, and they were thirsty. And when they were in need, God met their need. And he made water come forward from a rock. And this festival would remind them of what happened many centuries earlier. John chapter 7 says Jesus attends this festival. And the morning that the priest is getting ready to pour out the water, Jesus stands on a rooftop, if there was such a thing, and shouts to the crowd, anyone who is thirsty, let him come and drink. And everyone in that crowd, we may lose the significance, but everybody in that crowd knew exactly what Jesus was talking about when he stood up and said, if you're thirsty, I am the living water. I am the one who can satisfy you deep down inside. A glass of water will satisfy your thirst temporarily, but I will satisfy you eternally. Everybody in that crowd knew what Jesus was saying because they were familiar 
with Isaiah chapter 55. And I want you to just hear. Imagine you're in the crowd listening as Jesus stands up and shouts these words. And you are thinking back to what the prophet Isaiah said many hundreds of years earlier in verse 1 and 2 when he says this. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water and you without silver Come buy and eat. Pause for just a second. Isaiah, how can I possibly buy something to drink or to eat if I don't have any silver? Well, he's going to answer that question. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. It's free what I'm offering you, God is saying. And then listen to these words. Why do you spend your silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and you will enjoy the choicest of foods. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. I will make a permanent covenant with you on the basis of the faithful kindness of David. When Jesus stood up and said, hey, come and drink, come and eat, everyone went back to Isaiah chapter 55. They heard that God would one day send a deliverer among the line of David. And they heard Jesus say, I'm the one who can satisfy you. You don't need silver and you don't need a big checking account. I can satisfy you. We're not going to really do a dissection of these verses today. What I want to use is the idea of buying without money and being satisfied deep inside something that water and food and possessions can't do from you from Isaiah 55. I want to use this as kind of the jumping off point to talk about your spending habits. And what I'd like to ask you to do right here while you're listening is to just right now, I want you to think about the way that you spend money. I want you to think about how much you spend. Well, this is strictly between you and Jesus. I want you to think about what you spend it on. I want you to think about when you spend that money. Do you blow through it like I did through a gallon of milk? As soon as it comes in, man, it's gone. But more than anything else today, here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you just think honestly and examine your heart? Like this is a checking account checkup. Would you ask the question, why do I spend my money the way that I spend my money? Why does it go where it goes? When and how much and what you spend it on, those are important questions, but not nearly as important as why you spend it on what you spend it. And today, I just want us to get honest about our checking account or our debit card for a second. And if you're the kind of person that blows through money as soon as it comes in and now you're struggling for the rest of the month to figure out how you're going to be able to make ends meet or if something bad happens, you know you're not ready for it, then I just want to give you a couple of principles that can help you prepare yourself so that you are financially ready and so that you're getting your spending back under control. That's really what I want to do. So for you parents that are in this room, I want you to cover your children's ear because I'm about to say a bad word. Parents at home, cover your children's ears. I'm going to say out loud a bad word, and here's the bad word, budget. 
You see, for a lot of people, the word budget is a dirty word. It's a bad word. We hate that word. What I want to help you do is figure out how you can live it up on a budget. I had to ask my children to help me out with this phrase because I didn't really understand it. I want to help you figure out today how you can be balling on a budget, how you can live the good life and live on a budget. You see, living on a budget, it's really kind of the soil that your finances grows in. Doesn't matter what you plant, what seed you plant in that soil, if the soil is bad, then the fruit that comes out of the soil is gonna be bad. But when the soil is good, you can plant good stuff in there and you're gonna get good results out of it. Well, I want you to think about budget like that. I don't want you to think about it like a bad word. You see, for a lot of people, when they hear the word budget, they start to think, oh, those are rules, those are restrictions, that keep me from having fun. You're thinking about the word budget all wrong. You see, what the word budget does is it helps you plug fun into your calendar and plug fun into your checkbook. Budget helps you prepare for the future. You wanna buy a new house and be able to put the down payment on it? You prepare today by creating a budget. If you want to buy a new set of golf clubs or maybe you wanna go on that luxury vacation, you prepare today by budgeting today so that when the time comes to buy that thing, You've got the money. Let's say you want to go to the Super Bowl. You start to prepare today because you know you can't afford those tickets in 2021. So you prepare today for 2022's Super Bowl. And budget just says, I'm going to make sure that every dollar that comes into my checking account goes out where it's supposed to go. So what, really what I want to challenge you to do today, if you're not one of these people, I want to ask you to continue or to consider starting a budget, a zero balance budget, which means every single dollar has a place to go before it even shows up in your bank account. And then you plan a budget. You tell those dollars where to go by preparing a budget. And when the money shows up into your checking account, you already know where that money's supposed to go. And I want to go have fun this month. So we're going to budget some money to go have fun. And when the money comes in, I set a little bit over here to have fun and a little bit over here to do this and a little bit over there to pay that bill. And the dollars know where they're supposed to go. If you don't budget your money, the dollars don't know where they're supposed to go. And I promise you, when they don't know where they're supposed to go, that money goes crazy and doesn't go where you really want it to go. And at the end of the month, you say, where did it all go? If you're struggling, preparing a budget, we're gonna help you. In fact, starting this afternoon, we will start teaching Financial Peace University. And I wanna challenge everybody in this church, if you are watching online or if you're in this room and you haven't gone through Financial Peace University, go through it. Go through it with us. In fact, you can take the first 14 days totally free. You'll get access to absolutely every email, every text, every video, everything that they do for 14 days for free. And if you hate it on the 14th day, then just cancel. But what the first 14 days are going to teach you how to do is how to create a budget and then how to start to live on that budget. It's going to show you how you can be balling on a budget if you understand that phrase. Some of us, the way to get your spending under control and to do a checking account checkup is to say, I need a budget. 
Because right now, my money goes at the end of the month. I have no idea where it went. It's, part of it goes where, I, where it's supposed to go, but the rest of it, I don't even know where it went. Here's step number two. And maybe for some of you in this room, it's not a budget. Maybe for you, your spending is starting to get out of control because you're struggling to just enjoy what you have. In the United States, most people in our country have an abundance. Even those like me who grew up way below the poverty line, the way that we live in the United States compared to the way much of the rest of the world lives, people way below the power, uh, poverty line, most of them don't worry about shelter and don't worry about clothing and don't worry about food. And by the way, have some heat this morning and have a color TV with a cable, tele with cable television hooked up. That's just not how a lot of people around the world live. So if you're blowing through money again and again and again every month, I want to ask you, is it because you don't really enjoy the things that you have? Is it because of a lack of contentment? Because if I were to be honest with you, I can get myself financially out of control really fast, and I can do it over books. In fact, I used to say, I am not, uh, it's not safe to turn me loose in a bookstore without adult supervision because I can come out of there in, with a whole lot more books than I really need. In fact, I should just stand up in front of you and confess to you all that I'm a bookaholic and I keep adding more and more and more books to my library. And here's the insanity of it. I keep adding more books to my library, and I can't even get through the books that I already have. But then I find another book that I really want, and I add it to the library. And all of a sudden, I've got shelves of books that I'm waiting to read while I'm adding more books to my library. Yeah, I'm the kind of guy that can blow through a whole lot. Look, more than 25,000 titles in my library, and most of them are digital but I can't read all of those in a lifetime, and I'll still keep adding books to my library. And what I've noticed is when I add more and more books, it takes away a little of the enjoyment of the books that I do have because now I'm looking forward to the next book while I'm already reading this book. I'll show you how bad it is. Here's a picture of Christmas at our house. And if you look at these boxes, books upon books upon books, like lots and lots of books. When Amazon was just a bookseller, we're probably, our family's probably the reason why um, Jeff Bezos is now a gajillionaire because of all of the books that we bought. Um, because our family is a family that just absolutely loves books. And if I'm being honest for just a second, I can sometimes want the next book. By the way, I don't read new books. I tend to buy books that are 100, 200, 300 years old. Those are the books that I really enjoy the most, and they're really, really hard to find and usually very expensive. So when I keep adding more and more to my library, it takes away of the enjoyment of some that I already have. And I'm just being really honest with you for a second, because if you were honest with you, maybe you would have to say, for you, it's not books. For you, it's the latest tablet or cell phone. For you, it's the latest gaming console. For you, it's the latest fashion item. For you, it's the latest um, vehicle. Maybe for you, it's not books. Maybe for you, it's something else. 
And in reality, my problem is not with books. My problem is a contentment problem. Listen to this list. I looked this week at the top selling items in Amazon this week. The number one top selling digital purchase in Amazon last this past week was a PlayStation 5 gift card. The number one physical item for sale in Amazon this past week were gel coloring pencils. Listen to this. Not the kind of pencils that you take to school and you use in elementary school. These are coloring pencils that adults use for adult coloring books. The number one um, electronic item that people bought on Amazon last week was the Amazon Echo Dot speaker. And you want to know the number one article of clothing purchased in Amazon last week? It's high-waisted yoga pants with tummy control. That's the number one item on Amazon last week. And not one of those items are essential to survival. They're all kind of, I want to add to my library, to my technology, to my um, wardrobe items. There's nothing wrong with buying high-waisted yoga pants with tummy control. Just don't wear them to the airport in the escalator in front of me. But I'm saying, if that is, if you're looking to those things to satisfy you, they're really not going to fill you up inside. And maybe some of the purchases that we make, maybe some of our spending habits are getting out of control because we keep looking for the next thing to satisfy our thirst. We keep looking for the next thing to fill us up at the soul level, and that thing doesn't satisfy our thirst. Oh, it does for just a second. Those madmen, advertising wizards in Wall Street, no. When you buy it, you feel good for a day or for a week or for a month, but then it starts to lose its significance. And so you buy the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. How do you get off of this crazy train? How do you break this cycle of spending to find enjoyment? Well, the answer is number two. It's enjoying what you do have and finding contentment. And maybe for somebody who's listening to this today, you just need the Holy Spirit to help you enjoy what you do have instead of wanting something that you don't have. Maybe for you, it's not a spending problem. Maybe for you, it's not even the item that you're purchasing. Maybe for you, like me with books, there's a problem with your wanter. And in order to fix the spending habits, you have to fix the wanter first. And when the wanter is fixed, then the checking account and the purchases will fall into place. For some people, the money just goes out the door and they don't know where it goes because they don't have a budget. For others, you have plenty of things. You just don't enjoy the things you have because you have a problem with contentment. But let's say for you that you, your problems are bigger than a budget or contentment. Let's say that you're looking for and longing for money to do something for you, a technology, a gadget, a purchase to fill you up on the inside. Money has started to cross the line and it started to become a spiritual problem. And I'm going to give for those of you out there that are in this boat, 
a pretty severe solution to this problem. And here it is. Give some of that money away. Now, listen, I'm not going to beg you to give that money to this church. I am going to beg you to give it away to something worthy because money has started to have a stronghold. It started to have a chokehold around your heart. And if you want to break the chokehold that it has around your heart, one of the surest ways to do that is to start to give money away to something that gives nothing back, like totally, honestly, give it away to something or to someone that cannot pay it back to you. And what you're doing is you're causing your heart to stop to stop thinking about you and thinking about what that money can do for you and start to think about what that money can do for somebody else. That's why I call it on the screens, giving from the heart. Because there are some people, even church people, who give money regularly. But let's just be honest. They're really grumpy, a very much a grudge about how much they give. The people that give generously, the people that give willingly, often live their life without the stronghold of money having control over their heart. And if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, Jeff, I'm afraid money may have control over my heart. A solution not the only solution, but often one of the most powerful solutions is for you to give it away. So I'm just going to say this to you. If you're sitting there thinking, here it comes, that pastor is going to ask me to give money to this church because I have heard 15 other pastors who are always asking for money and always asking me to give money to, this, to their church. I'm just going to tell you, don't give it to this church. Give it to someone or to something else. Give it to someone that will advance the gospel with it, that will push back darkness and make a difference for Jesus' kingdom. But you're giving money away not for us. You're giving some of your money away for you. It's your way of reminding yourself every time you write that check or every time you make that donation, money will not control me. And here's my way of making sure money doesn't control me. I'm going to give this away to someone or to something that can't possibly give anything back in return. And money, you have no control over my heart. Because listen to what Timothy says. It's not money that is the root of all evil. It's when money has your heart. That's right. It's the love of money that becomes the root of all evil. And if you're sitting there honestly thinking to yourself, uh-oh, I think money may have my heart, then give some of it away. Give it away so that it doesn't have control over your heart. When we talk about money, I can stand up in front of you and I can just courageously talk honestly with you about money. Because I realize most Christians don't cheat on this area of their faith. Your money really does shout to the world what's important to you. I mean, when it comes to the way that you spend your time and the way that you spend your money, it doesn't really matter what you say you believe. We can see, the world can see what's really important to you by where your time goes and where your money goes. So I have no problem standing up and just talking honestly and boldly about money because this is one of God's ways, I believe, the Holy Spirit's ways of just showing you 
what it looks like inside your heart. And if you're struggling with letting some of that money go, then maybe today the Holy Spirit is starting to speak to you and to say, maybe you have a spiritual problem, not a spending problem. In fact, the whole purpose of this sermon today, to wrap up this whole sermon series, is to just ask this question. Who is king of your checking account? Is it you? Is it Amazon? Or is it Jesus? And if you are the king of your checking account, if the latest technology or the newest book or a gallon of milk is consuming your heart and your attention, then perhaps there's a spiritual problem here. But I promise you, when Jesus has control of your soul, it will be easy to give him control of your checking account. It's really hard. People don't fake this. It's really hard to give him control of your checking account before he has control of your soul. So now I want to wrap us up with just a time of commitment. We call these action steps around here. It's our way of saying, don't let Isaiah 55 go in one ear and go straight out the other one. Let's put what we just heard into practice. And maybe for somebody who's watching this stream at their house, you're saying, uh-oh, I think money has become a God to me, little g God. I think I really do have a soul problem, Jeff. I think I have a spiritual problem, and I think Jesus wants control over every area of my life, and I haven't given it to him. In just a second, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that today would be the day you step across the line of faith that God takes a dead soul and makes it alive through faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. Maybe for others of you, you would say, man, my money's flying out the checking account and I don't even know where it's going. And maybe number two on the screens is you. Maybe you just need to start Financial Peace University with us. You can join right now and we'll help you start to budget your money. But probably for all of us in this room, we could say this last thing on the screens. I want the Holy Spirit to help me be content. Maybe more content today than I was yesterday, maybe I'm realizing I don't have much contentment at all. And this is a spiritual problem, not a spending problem. So I need the Holy Spirit to make me content. What I want to do is lead us in a prayer. So would you just bow your heads for just a second? Would you start to think about the why in your checking account? Ask yourself, why does your money go where it goes. Maybe you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, I'm not spending money on things that I shouldn't spend it on, but money has started to take on more of an importance in my life than it should. Money has started to get control over my heart, and it started to become a little G God to me. And maybe it's because Jesus isn't the capital G God of my life. And maybe right there where you're sitting, you need to step across the line of faith, that you need to surrender everything, body, soul, future, finances, over to King Jesus this morning and say, Jesus, if you are king, that means you're in charge of it all and I'm not. And so maybe what you just need to do is right now, silently in your heart, cry out a prayer of faith saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for ever putting anything in front of you. You are a good father who loves me, 
who longs to have a relationship with me. The proof that you love me is that you would be willing to send your son, Jesus, to the cross to pay the penalty for the sins that I've committed, the sin of worshiping money. And so, God, right here, right now, I'm saying I'm sorry, and I'm saying I don't want to live like this anymore. So, God, I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you for the first time. And, God, I'm asking you to meet me and to help me live a life that honors you. Father, I believe that if that prayer is real, if it comes from a sincere heart, that you will transform somebody from the inside out. And Father, maybe there are some good, well-meaning Christians that are just struggling to pay the bills. They get towards the end of the month, and they have more month than they have money to pay for it. And it's because they don't really have a budget. God, would you impress on their heart today to go ahead and to sign up for financial peace? We won't get one penny from them. Not one cent of this program will come to our church. It's just our way of helping people get out from a mountain of debt and all of the stress that goes along with that. So God, maybe you would put on somebody's heart to sign up for that right now. And Father, I pray that you would do this in my heart. Pray that you would do this for all of your children, those who claim the name of Christ that are listening to my voice right now. They would say, God, I want you to help me be content. You have given me some really good things. And I want to enjoy the good things that I have. So Holy Spirit, will you help me? to enjoy the beautiful things that I already have instead of looking at the things that I don't have. God, would you be glorified by the way that your people are submitting or surrendering to you right now? I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.